Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. Good morning uh, to those who are uh, watching online. Um, hope you had a good year, good holiday, and uh, wishing you all a happy new year, 2022. Um, thank you. Today I'll be uh, sharing on something from uh, Peter's life. So uh, I love this uh, scripture where it talks about Peter because I could relate a lot of things from Peter's life. So I, w- I want to share two things from Peter's life and then share something from my own uh, personal experience in my early walk with the Lord. So today I want uh, I have titled the message as is it switched on? Yeah. Yeah. So God wants to walk with us always. <clears throat> this is uh, this I I have uh, named it uh, as God wants to walk with us always because many times in my Christian walk I always felt that God will leave me, that He is fed up with me, and then He will be. Uh, uh, he would work with me for some time. He would, and then he's frustrated, and then he'll leave me. So when I was re- uh, reading with Peter, uh, I was uh, inspired on a few things, uh, which I thought it would be good to share with you all. So I would like to uh, start with how Jesus walks into Peter's life. So you can also relate um, how Jesus walked into your life. So how it all started with you. So I'd like to start with uh, Luke 5. Um, where Jesus um, chooses to get into Simon Peter's boat. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. So when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So I want to highlight on two things here. One is Peter is in a dire need. So if you read verse 5, he says that he was trying to catch fish all night. So if he's a, a casual fisherman, he is not, he's in no need to catch fish if it, if it doesn't come. In the first one hour, he can come next week. But he's in a dire need. He tries to catch fish so that he can get some money to meet his family needs. So he has tried all his best and has given up. And he's now washing his nets. So it looks like when you read this chapter, accidentally Jesus uh, is walking into his life. It looks like that. But God has timed it perfectly. So in the same way, even in our life, God times it perfectly when we are looking for a need in, in our life and we are, we, and all the human hands uh, are not able to help us, at that time Jesus enters into our life. He enters into your boat. But Simon has no idea, just like we have no idea how it all starts with us. So, what, so I would like to um, say, you can, you can uh, try to relate your needs, what, what brought you here. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's a financial need, or uh, maybe uh, you are having some sickness that you want to deal with, or you, you are having um, uh, some sort of addiction that you want to give up, or it can be anything. You are, in, you, you are in a need. You are in a physical need that you're facing, and you are seeking for help. So here, 
uh, when we read verse 8, it says that when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. So what has happened? This, uh, when you look at this verse separately and you look at what happened, there's no link to each other. What happened is just he caught a lot of fish. So why is he saying something totally different from what happened? If, if any of you go for fishing, will you suddenly fall at someone's feet and say, I'm a sinful man, go away? You never do that, right? It's a very, very normal thing to catch fishes. It's, it happens to so many people. But why is Peter saying something like this, totally different? So this is what uh, I liked, liked the most because Jesus, uh, it's written about Jesus that he, uh, a great light shined on the people and the darkness could not comprehend it. So if you, if you, are, if you are in this room, you will not see your shadow. But when you go out in, into the sun, suddenly you will feel the shadow. Same thing. When the, when the Lord walks into your life, suddenly you feel your shortcomings. So what happens is, you come to Jesus for your needs to be met. It can be any need. But very soon you realize that there is a different feeling that starts start within you. A spiritual journey begins in you. So what is this happening in you? You come, you come for your physical needs to be met. But, what, but God is pointing to a spiritual need within you. You come to face the reality of who you are inside and you feel very short. So this is what happened in my life too. Um, when I got saved, I came with the need um, about... I had some fears about my future, how I'm going to face my future, future. And I asked the Lord to help me overcome all my fears. So I, I was just praying whatever I felt like praying. For me, God was like a genie, so I can pray whatever I want, and whatever I ask, God will answer. So that's how it started. So I was uh, part of a prayer group, so four or five of us will pray together. So in that prayer, um, the guys who were uh, leading the worship were really uh, gifted. They were gifted to sing well, they play the guitar well, and we used to worship uh, for four hours together in a row. And, and I remember the parents will be a little annoyed with us because they, they will get confused. Why should someone be worshipping in a room where there is no ventilation and worshipping the Lord for four hours? We'll be sweating. But we'll be worshipping the Lord. We have joy on us. We'll come with uh, sweat on our face, but we'll be having a lot of smile. So that's, that is the joy I had as a believer, as a new Christian, when I uh, went to prayer, prayer group and I know, learned about the Holy Spirit. But sooner or later, I realized something like this, that I wanted to have the same experience as I felt in a prayer group, in my private prayer closet. So when I wanted to seek the Lord in my prayer closet, I will ask him, Lord, please come. Please come. I want to experience. Because I was seeing them speak in tongues. I didn't receive tongues back then. So I thought, I need to receive this gift. I used to uh, open my eyes when they were uh, speaking in tongues and look at them, what they are saying, like gibberish talk, right? So I will talk. How are they saying something? How can they say something? I want to get that. So I used to even try at home, <laughs> saying something like uh, speaking in tongues. And I feel so void when you do something. If you don't receive tongues, if you try to speak in tongues, you will feel a lot of void. You feel like a vacuum within you. So I tried that. And I felt, okay, I'm not going to do that. So I left it. But when I tried to receive the gifting from the Lord at, in my own prayer closet, I could see that I cannot get it. I felt that I need to make myself worthy. 
I prayed to God, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, forgive me sins, make, it, make me clean, make me clean, make me clean. I thought maybe if I pray more, if I cry more, and, uh, and worship more, I will get that feeling. Like I was trying to make myself up to a higher standard, which I'm not. The only standard is the blood of Jesus. I know the standard is there. So anybody who is trying to do will be frustrated like I was. So what happened was when, when all my efforts to uh, feel worthy to praise the Lord or to get closer to the Lord was futile, I got so much frustrated. And in my, I was in my room, I said, Lord, I don't know why I came to know you. You are too high for me. I feel like you're laughing at me from above. Your standards are too high, I cannot make it. So now, why did you come to know me? Because I cannot, in, in all my efforts, I cannot make, make it up to your standards. And you also told about heaven and hell to me. And I'm heading in the wrong way. I cannot come to where you are. And I was so much disappointed about my life. And I said, Lord, you are selfish God. I started shouting at God. In my close, prayer closet, I started shouting at God. Lord, you are selfish God. You are capable of being holy. You are capable of doing all that you can. Whereas I am in the flesh. I cannot do what you are expecting. You have put all those rules on me which I cannot keep. You are selfish. You are bad. I said all that I could. And then, because I was part of this prayer group and he used to go, go there regularly, um, I could not tell to my friends, today I am not coming with you because I am done with this Christian walk. I am finished. I could not say that. So I have to act as if I am perfectly fine on the outside. So I just went along with, uh, with them for prayer. I was standing with them to pray. Um, and when we started praying, my heart was like stone. And uh, I was wondering what's going to happen. This is the last day. And I need to get out of this place. Somehow I need to get out of this group. This is not somewhere I need to be there. And then when I started praying... The first thing is uh, uh, one of the brothers got a vision. In that vision, he sees that my mouth is sinful. And then he sees next vision where the dove is coming with a garland. Like, uh, like uh, in India when we get married, here you will, you will only put rings. But in India when we get ma married, we put garland on the girl and the girl will put a garland on the boy. So it's like that the, the dove is coming with a garland and putting it on my neck. He, saw, he said those two visions to me and he didn't understand what it meant. I, when I heard that, I know what I did back then because I was acting, standing as if I did nothing. But because God spoke that, God knows that I sinned just now in my prayer closet and he says that he loves me, I broke down in tears. Oh Lord, what is this? You're supposed to hate me for this. You're supposed to leave me and get away from me. But you have not left me. What is this love? And this is the one thing that helped me to always come closer and closer to the Lord. And this is what the Lord does with Peter also. So if you see here, what Peter was thinking, he thought, okay, I wanted fish. The needs are met, physical needs are met. But what is this? I feel suddenly sinful. I don't have anything to do with this man. Lord, please go away. We, we don't match. That's what I said in my prayer closet too. We don't match. We are not the same. We should not be together. That's what I said. But Peter also thinks, okay, Lord has no role in me. He's not going to change who I am on the inside. 
He helps me to get my physical needs met, but on my inside, God has no rule. That's what Peter thought. So he said, Lord, go away from me. As if Lord is not aware that he's a sinful man in the first place. Lord knows that who he is, even before he came. He, it's an appointed day for meeting with Peter, but he's not aware. So Peter realized that he's sinful, but he doesn't understand what has just begun. So what has just begun is a spiritual journey. So I, I would like to uh, say something from Romans, so where it says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I read this verse after many years, uh, when I was struggling with so many things, when I read, Paul is also saying something like this, I was so glad. Oh, the person who wrote more than half of the Bible is also having similar trouble. I was so glad. So glad. Okay, if he, Paul can have trouble, I can have trouble. <laughs> so I was glad. So you can see that um, Peter was having a desire in his heart. So what's the desire? Uh, if you see, we saw how it started with Peter in the beginning. Uh, I would li like to run down to the end of um, how Peter um, meets with the Lord at the final, um, final time. So here uh, you can see that Jesus is telling about uh, how he is going to be crucified, uh, how the disciples are going to behave. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the others said the same. So I want to just say one point here. Like, Peter has no idea what he's talking about. Peter has no idea what Jesus is going to go through. But one thing is true about this, uh, about Peter, that he indeed wanted to die for the Lord. That was his desire. Can any of us just simply say that I want to die for the Lord? We don't say that, right? When we, when we say something like that, there's a cost involved in that. So to, for Peter to say this word, that was on the top of his heart. The desire was on the top of his heart. I want to do this for the Lord. I love him so much. He has done so much to me. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He has done so many things to me. So this is what was in the heart of Peter. But just because as believers, we have a lot of things in our heart, doesn't mean we have the ability to do it. So immediately, the, uh, so I'll just run back to 1472 uh, of Mark. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus has spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three, uh, three times. So I'm not reading all the uh, verses in 14. So here it says how he would have seen how Jesus is being flogged. He would have felt the pangs of death. And when he's faced with death, all the strength that he had vanished. And he denied, simply he denied. Nothing in him is like, like if you're faced with fear, you know, I don't know how many of you have experienced fear to such an extent where you forget everything and just say whatever comes into your mouth. So he says something like that and he breaks down and wept. After speaking the words, I deny you, Lord, he realized that he has made a fatal mistake. And then he breaks down and weeps. So after this, um, we read in John 21. So what we read in John 21 is um, 
the Lord meets Peter for the third time. He appears to the disciples for the ter- third time. So what, what would be the state of Peter by now? Just if you visualize yourself in that place, what would be the state of Peter? He has seen the Lord twice. He has seen all the miracles. He has seen people walking from the dead. Sorry, uh, risen from the dead. And he has seen um, blind people get their eyesight. He has seen all the miracles on the outside. But he has not seen any change on the inside of him. He has seen everything outside. But in his heart, he has only failure before him. Think about it. He, what, what, what did the Lord say? Before the rooster crows twice. Every day when the rooster crows once, he's reminded of his sin early in the morning. And the day will be a worse day for him. Think about it. When you get up in the morning, if you feel bad about yourself, your day will be gone. So Peter would have had a bad time and you'd be struggling inside. He's, he has a hidden grief. And the Lord appeared twice to all the disciples, but there was no conversation about how he denied. So it's an open wound that nobody sees. And Peter would have thought, okay, God has forgotten about me. Okay, God told me that God, when God came into my life, he, realized, he made me realize that I'm a sinner. He told me that I'll make you into a stone, as strong as a stone. I give you a promise. He told me that you got a revelation from the Lord. He told, that, he told many things to Peter. But now, the Lord is not by his side. He's dead and he's risen. He appeared twice, but this topic was not mentioned. So he thought, it's forgotten. And then he's totally down. And God does the same miracle as he did the first time and comes back in, into Peter's life. And he says, uh, do you love me? He's asking the question, do you love me three times? So there was no question about Lord loving him. It is only from Peter's side he's asking, do you love me? There was no question about Lord loving, love, loving him. So he's talking about, I have not taken the responsibility that I wanted to give you in the first place, where I said, I will build my church on, on you. You are, you are rock, and I'm, I'll make you a rock, and I'll build my church on top of you. That's what God said earlier. And God is not going back on that. He's still saying the same thing. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Take care of my lamb. Feed my lamb. So God is giving back his responsibility. So Peter would have wondered, what is this? God is supposed to leave me, reject me, and go away. But he is uh, giving me the same responsibility. But even though he is asking him three times, Peter, when, when, when the Lord mentioned thir- third time, it was like poking a knife into his wound. Oh, God is like any other person. He's reminding me of my failure. He's poking a knife into where it pains a lot. So you would have thought, oh Lord. And then he almost, in a lot of pain, he says, Lord, you know the pain. You know the pain that, uh, you know the pain that I have. You know I have failed you miserably. And he says, uh, Lord, you know all things. And then God tells him, yeah, I, 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 uh, you have great desire for me, but I tell you that you will indeed die for me. So if, if, um, if the Lord has given him any other prophecy other than the prophecy that he's given, what, what does he say here? Very, very, I tell you, when you are younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. So God is strengthening him back, saying, you desire to follow the Lord, 
You had the desire, but you failed. But I tell you, in the same area where you thought you failed, I'm strengthening you back, and you will indeed walk in love to the extent that you'll give your life for me. So in the same way, God knows all our weakness, and God has not forgotten you in, in your weakness and all your commitments that you made, your denials. So God will also strengthen us, walk with us, no matter where we are, and you'll help us to fulfill the desires that we have for the Lord. So thank you so much. Have a blessed day. Good. Let's pray, hey? Let's pray. Those online, I encourage you to join us in prayer. Father, thank you for what, what Pari shared with us. And as we look at the life of Peter, we see in Peter so much in us. We see our, our lack, we see our weakness. We make declarations about, in these songs, I'm going to live my life for you, and yet we fail. <laughs> and when the going gets tough, we don't stand firm. And yet, as Pari said, you grab those weaknesses, and you heal them, and you restore them, and you make them whole. You grab our weaknesses because it's in our weakness that you are strong. And you bring transformation and you bring victory in our lives. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to bring you to communion today um, in Luke chapter 22. On the on Thursday night, it was the night of Passover. It was the night they remembered coming out of Egypt, or well, the day before they came out of Egypt, and the last plague, and the angel of death was coming, and they needed to put the blood over the door frames as a way of protecting them. The blood was a protection so that the angel of death would pass over. And it was asked by God of the people to celebrate the Passover every year to remember what God had done for his people back then. But we also see the fulfillment in Jesus. What happens in the Old Testament is regularly fulfilled in Jesus. That just as the blood of the lamb over those door frames protected God's, God's people from death, eternal death, separation from God, it's Jesus' blood that protects us, that saves us, that rescues us from God's anger, God's wrath, that forgives us for our sin, and allows us to have eternal life and relationship with God. And as we come to the cup, as we come to the bread, we, we, we remember what, what our Jesus has done for us. In Luke chapter 22, at that supper, at that Passover feast, re remembering, retelling the story of God's victory, Jesus says, this is my body when he picks up the bread. It wouldn't have been like this. This has got yeast in it. It's much tastier and fluffier. Um, but it was flat like Lebanese bread. He would have said, he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus was speaking about what was about to happen to him at his death. And then he grabbed the cup. They drank four cups. I think it was the third cup. Each cup had a different meaning. 
And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and saying, this, is the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who's going to betray me is with, is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but wait to that man who betrays him. You know, in that it says, this is the cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That it's through Jesus' death and resurrection that he gives us a, a, a new way. The law, of, the law given through Moses was good, but Jesus gave a new way through his body. And as we come to him in faith, as we come to him recognizing his power, he said, I'm a sinful man, I'm a sinful woman, I need your forgiveness. He forgives us, he restores us, he makes us whole. It's not about the amount of prayers you do in your prayer closet. It's not about the, the, uh, the, the amount of kindness or how, how you speak to people or the amount of work that you do. It's all because of what Jesus has done for us through his death and his resurrection, that we can have a relationship with God, that we can have eternal life. And it's in this communion, in this cup, in this bread, we remember what Jesus has done for us. This does not save us by having communion. No, it reminds us of what he's done. And in 1 Corinthians, it talks about before we take it, we are to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves so we're not taking this in a wrong manner when we're taking this with a whole heap of stuff going on in our life that's not godly. But before we take it, we, we are taking a moment to confess. We say, God, you know what? There's some areas of my life where I've, where I, where I've, I've got it wrong. I'm going to confess that, and then I'm, and then I'm going to take it. So as Pari talked today around seeing our lack and well, not seeing our lack, but then the, uh, when God comes near us, we actually see our lack. And as he talked around Peter and saying, yes, God, I'm, 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 I'm never going to leave you. Even if I die with you, even if I have to die, I'm never going to leave you. But then the next, a few hours later, he's denying him because of, as, as the rooster closed. You know, we make these declarations about who we're going to be and how we're going to live, and we, and, we, and, we, and we don't live it out. And we know the things that we should do, and we don't do those things either. And in Ephesians 1, it talks about, for you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You know, sins is where we don't meet God's expectations, where we, where we know what he wants us to do and we don't do it. Trespasses is that we know what we, we, know what we shouldn't do, and yet we cross it anyway. So it's both ways where we go, here's God's standard. I, I'm, I'm not as loving as I need to be. But also God says, I don't want you to live this way. And we deliberately live the way he doesn't want us to live. So in both ways, we miss it up. And so before you come to communion, and if you're watching this online, you might want to run to the, run to the kitchen and get some bread and, and, a, and a juice. Or you can have anything, water and a biscuit will do. Because it's not about what it is. It's about remembering what Jesus has done. I just want to take you a few moments just to reflect and pray. And where are the areas of your life where you need to confess and say, God, I've messed it up. I've deliberately done the wrong thing and I haven't done the thing you wanted me to. I've said things and I haven't done them. Take a few moments, reflect on him, pursue him, come to him, and then I'll invite you forward. Take a few moments. In 1 John 1, 9, I'm going to go back to verse 8. John writes to a bunch of Christians 
If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all our unrighteousness. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just and he forgives you and he cleanses you and purifies you, purifies you, purifies you. That's a nice word. Purifies you from your unrighteousness. So as you've confessed to him, I now invite you forward. Take the cup, take the biscuit, take it back to your seat. Eat and drink and remember what Jesus has done for you. Come now. Thank you. This is our first week back for um, in person online. We had last week Nina brought a great message around setting up our year well. 9th of January, hey, the 9th of January. It's almost like a fresh start again, isn't it? I mean, whenever we confess our sin with the Lord, it's like, okay, keep going. He's never going to leave you. I love that. He's never going to leave you. 2022, you and Jesus, what does it look like? What does it look like this year for you, you and Jesus, 2022? Is it going to be same old, same old? And, that, and if you're doing really great with Jesus, well, that's a good thing. Same old, same old is really good. If you're doing really great. Um, but if you're not doing so great, same old, same old is may, maybe that's not what you, that's maybe you don't want to stay there. What does 2022 look like for you and Jesus? What's, um, what do you think God wants to do in your life? Just take, take 10 seconds and just reflect on this question. What do you think God wants to do in your life in 2022? Just pray and ask God, God, what do you want to do in my life this year? Father, we want to pray that you'd have your way in us, that you'd move in us, that you would change us, that you would transform us, that you would continue to do your work in us, that we would be the people you want us to be. We thank you as Pari reminded us, you, you are never going to leave us. Even when we deny you like Peter did, even when we go our own way and we fail, you pursue us and you come and you restore and in our weakness, that's where you are strong because in your, our weakness you can really display your glory. So, Father, we pray that you would have your will and your way in us this year. That we would live a life that, that is extraordinary. That we would understand truly that we are your people, called by you to live the way that you want us to live. We are, the scripture says that we are dead to self and alive to you. Paul writes, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So, Father, we want to declare that you're our king, that you're our boss, that you're our Lord. And we choose 2022 to be a year of honoring you in every area of our lives. That you would bring transformation, that you would bring restoration. That we would make decisions that honor you, that please you. That we would have the hard conversation and ask forgiveness. That we have the hard conversation and, and choose reconciliation. That we would say no to things we need to say no to. And we would say yes to things we need to say yes to. 
And as we look back over this year, we would see what you've done and we would celebrate. As Peter, from that moment, yes, I love you, Lord. You know I love you, Lord. You know I love you, Lord. On the day of Pentecost, he's filled with the Spirit and proclaims the first, first Christians, the, the, the first sermon, you know, filled with the Spirit. And we have 3,000 saved on that day. And then the, the growth of the church and Peter's influence. And if you're feeling like you've stuffed up, you're feeling like you've got it wrong, you're feeling like you've let God down, you know, God can do what, God can do what he did in Peter in you. You're not too far gone. You're not forgotten. You're not too sinful. He sees you. He loves you. He wants to restore you and set you on a path to live a life for him. If he can do it for Peter, he can do it for you. If he can do it for Pari, he can do it for you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. So Father, we want to commit this this year to you. We want to commit our lives to you and we say, God, do in us what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, thanks for being part of our first service back in person. For those online, thanks for joining us again. Next week, you have the privilege of Andrew's going to be speaking and then Jackie the week after, and then you'll have Vision Sunday on the 30th. Goodbye to those online. It's a pleasure having you with us. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.